Welcome to Enlightenedhood, a sacred space for mothers, mothers to be, and mothers by proxy to share how mindfulness and spirituality intertwine with one of life's biggest responsibilities, motherhood. Each week, we will gather nuggets of inspiration, empowerment, and wisdom from wild and woke mamas who are tapped into their highest selves and raising the next generation along with the consciousness of this planet. I'm your host, Lena Lemos, founder of Enlightenedhood, a community of mindful and spiritual mamas committed to personal growth and divine sisterhood through our one-of-a-kind inner work membership and spiritual magazine. Welcome. I am so grateful that you're here. How is everyone doing out there? You hanging in there? You having fun yet? (laughs) A lot has changed since the last intro that I made for this podcast over a week ago. And it kind of just, when I watch the news, I feel like we're living in a dystopian movie And I want to stay informed, but I also want to be really conscious and mindful about the way I'm consuming media because it instantly just brings me back into that collective feeling of fear and panic and uncertainty. And with our mindful and our spiritual tools, we have so much power to create those boundaries and create such a a wonderful little bubble that we can live in. So I hope you're finding the light in your situation and finding things to be grateful for whether it's a book you always wanted to read or spending more time with your partner or your children or getting outside more or using this time to heal some deep-rooted shit you got going on. Whatever it is, I really hope you can find the silver lining and some gratitude for this time to slow down and unwind and not feel so pressured to do anything but make ourselves at home, get comfortable with the uncomfortable and lean into all those juicy, good feelings that we can evoke by simply tuning in and being present. A few things I want to share with you that we are doing to help support this community right now. The first one is if you didn't notice this past Wednesday, we put out a meditation for grounding on this podcast. So if you need some anchoring, some calm, some reducing of your anxiety, please go listen to that. It will take less than 10 minutes and I promise you'll feel a lot better afterwards. If you haven't seen on Instagram, we are currently doing 12 days of light. We figured that we could spread a lot of light by doing many mindful and spiritual practices each day or exploring a theme, having a daily mantra, learning about a new crystal, having journal prompts, and then just a short little video, whether it's just talking about the theme or Megan doing another guided meditation. So I hope you'll join us and participate. We've had so much love about it already. So thank you so much for everyone who has supported it. And in the coming weeks, we are going to move all the workshops we were hosting online. We also have a few mini courses that we're putting out like mindfulness and how to start a meditation practice because we believe that we can really use this time to learn and come out on the other side of this quarantine wiser. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, make sure you do at Enlightenedhood so you can be the first to know when we put all this amazing 
educational content out to help support you on your journey, give you the tools you need to work through everything that is going on. But anyway, on to the episode. My guest today is Chrissy Shields. Chrissy has been practicing and teaching yoga in New York City for 13 years in studios, shelters, gyms, and prisons. She began teaching teachers and created Maha Mama, which focuses on the maternal years. The recent expansion focuses on all the major shifts of becoming a maiden, mother, and wise woman, plus advocacy through our wellness. Christy and I are talking about the importance of being expansive instead of inclusive when it comes to maternal mental health, how to use your intuition for your care team when you're getting ready to give birth, and why it's so important to use your own voice, and the power of Me Too in motherhood stories, and why it's so important for us to start sharing the truth of what motherhood is really like, and start being more aware of how women all around the world and even in our own communities and neighboring communities are giving birth and what their motherhood stories look like because the more we can speak up and share what our journeys actually look like, the more we can heal together and the more we give power to our stories and our roles as women and as mothers. So here's Chrissy. So you said something to me the the last time that we spoke, which was that instead of the compartmentalization of spirituality and motherhood and navigating those two practices, you have combined them into one. And I just thought that was such a powerful thing because I haven't heard anyone describe it that way. I mean, I know we do things with our kids like meditation and try to incorporate them into our practice, but can you tell me about what that's been like for you? Yeah, I, um, you know, I've been, I've been, I failed at this for many years <laughs> as I practiced it. And so, and, and sometimes there's, you know, inklings of success, right? And what success looks like for me, and that this is a daily reprieve because it's not something that every day I'm going to wake up. And if I do these exact same things, you know, the, the, the formula changes mm-hmm. as our kids grow, as our environment changes, as we change and develop and grow, like everything is going to shift. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it works for a little while and then there's gotta be some sort of adjustment period of adjustment. Um, and you know, because the kids start waking up in the middle of the night again, or, you know, and and they're, they're going through a growth spurt, which I think you just mentioned. And, you know, the, I mean, the myriad of things now I'm going through a, you know, a young lady moving into womanhood. Right. And so like there's changes there. So, um, so we have to, we have to be, uh, super adaptable. Right. And that requires a loosening of the grip of what the idea should be. And I have had a very firm, very rigid practice in my life of uh, yoga and sitting down and meditating and doing my asana and doing my, you know, the full deal with everything that, that comes with it. And I have since found that the success for me comes when I sip my practice. Mm. So it's not like I'm rushing to get my hour in, in the morning, or, you know, maybe it's 45 minutes or maybe it's 20 minutes, but like throughout my day, if I'm doing the dishes, 
how am I doing the dishes? Am I harshly doing the dishes? <laughs> you know, like, did I break a glass because of how hard I've, you know, cause I've done that, you know, while I'm washing my dishes and like, you know, something cracks in my hand because I'm just so not present. Mm-hmm. I am instead, um, in my thought pattern and I can't trust what's going on in my mind. And so if I can throughout the day, take a moment to stop and simply breathe. And what does that look like? What does that look like in the playground when they're playing instead of checking out and checking out, you know, and usually for me, my checkout is on my phone, you know, instead of doing that checkout, because that can cause anxiousness in me. Uh, If I catch a piece of news that, you know, causes me uh, anxiety or agitation, I, I can go in another spiral. And then I don't often know that that if I'm, if I'm, you know, acting out from all sides of me instead of direct and clear and pure you know, I'm reactive and I'm whatever, um, not present, um, at my kids or with my kids, uh, they get the brunt of that, of me just checking out instead of checking in, um, Mm -hmm. and seeing where I am and taking a few deep breaths and just noticing whatever feeling I might be feeling you know, in whatever moment. Uh, and so it's a checkout, you know, instead of checking out, checking in. That's what I like to call it. I like that. So was it really motherhood and figuring out how to navigate motherhood that shifted that practice for you? And what have you learned being on looking at it from having a rigid practice versus having this more fluid practice? Uh, yes, motherhood. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a yoga teacher out there who says, well, if you're not sitting on your cushion and meditating, don't worry, something's going to kick your ass in order to get you back onto your cushion and to get you back to sit, uh, which I love. So, and motherhood was that for me because I had a formal practice and then, you know, I had a baby and, I learned how to adapt with the baby's needs. And I remember when I did my training, I, I had this like feeling cause I had a daily practice that I had to do for the training and it was very specific. And some days it was only 15 minutes and some days it was about an hour. And so it just depended on where we were in the month. And I remember just having this feeling of like, hurry up and fall asleep so that I can, you know, do my practice. And I was like, this isn't sitting well with me. Like over the course of the month, I was like, this isn't working. This isn't working because I'm getting frustrated with her and she's feeling my anxiety, my agitation. And so she's not falling asleep. Like they read us, Mm -hmm. they listen to us. They are us. And so for me, I have to, I had to stop and go, okay. And it was, um, the practice, it was learning specific tools and techniques. And the practice was to gaze on a person 
and imagine their heart and imagine, you know, who they are and, and, you know, do this beautiful meditation starting at their feet up to their eyes. And I took the picture of this person who is called the, the great mama. She's Alma and she's the, the hugging saint. And, um, I just took it and and like attached it to the spot right behind her head where I would nurse her to sleep at night. And for a while she was like, what are you looking at? You know, like she'd be nursing and then she'd like look at me and then see that I was looking at Ama instead of at her, which had been normally happening. And she'd be like, what are you doing? Why are you looking up there? It was so funny. But when I started that practice, she was asleep in under 10 minutes mm-hmm. so that I could move myself back to, to a formal, you know, of my formal practice. And so, yeah, motherhood, motherhood kicked it right into gear. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a good lesson. You are a lot of people I talked to on this podcast. Motherhood was really that catalyst for that spiritual, spiritual awakening and that spiritual practice. But you're one of the few who had something set before motherhood. So did you use your practice to prepare for motherhood? Oh, yeah, for sure. I practiced yoga every day. I was a yoga teacher and um and I learned a few ideas. The first thing I learned is, is how to get intimate with my thought pattern when I'm in challenging positions. Mm. Um, and, and the yoga practice on a daily basis and putting myself in positions that were really challenging, that, that had the, the stuff that goes on in, in our minds, which is the fight, flight, or freeze, right? Like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. I don't want to be here. This is uncomfortable this sucks. Who is this person that put me here? You know, getting myself into those positions on a regular basis, but then also witnessing when I'm there, where my mind goes, Mm. does it go to fight, flight, or freeze? Chances are in the beginning. Yeah, it will. Cause it did for me. And then after a while noticing, okay, well, what can I focus on instead that can kind of pull it away because anything you you focus on is anything you know what you resist persists like what you try to like you know that that phrase but also like you know there's a there's a buddhist saying of like you hold sand in your cupped hands and then when you when you squeeze it together you lose it all like you're trying to grip it you lose Mm -hmm. it all so you know like trying to fight your way through which is often what i would do a challenging position would cause it to cause more pain, cause me more pain. And so I got to witness that every day throughout the pregnancy. And I also read a ton of books about labor and the anatomy and the physiology of what happens inside my body so that I can understand through that, that, that whole process of laboring into the, into, um, you know, having those first few weeks of, of real, you know, period of adjustment major period of adjustment of a softening so that for me, where I tended to go, now I did practice every day, you know, going to the grassy knoll or the sunlit beach. Right. Um, but those, that's not where I go when I'm pushed up against it. When I'm pushed up against it, it's a breath focus. It's a, it's a, it's a simple inhale and exhale. And that's the thing that gets me that, that helped me get through my labor 
and those, you know, first few years. Now I'm on 11 and nine years. (laughs) So yeah, it continues. (laughs) Yeah. And I love what you said that it's just constantly evolving as our kids evolve and we're evolving and we're evolving our practice. But did you at all have almost a spiritual reawakening too with motherhood? Um, well, yes. <laughs> I found a power within me that I never knew. It was almost like I fell in love with myself. Mm, I love that. Because I did something that I had no idea I could do. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I wanted to, I visualized it going the way that it went. I, um, I practiced on a regular basis, you know, putting myself, cause labor is challenging. It's really hard. <laughs> it's work and, um, it's labor. That's why it's called yep. labor, but it's, um, but it also did transform me. Um, the second, uh, pregnancy labor and birth, transform me in a completely different way, hmm. which more kicked my ass into more self-care. Mm, yes. Like you thought you could sip a little bit here and there. No, nope, you couldn't. And I didn't. And I, and I tried to for, for a while, I tried to sip and I, I got my ass kicked. I did. So what did that turning point look like where you realized you needed more self-care and how did you create those boundaries for yourself? Well, this isn't something I, I often share about, but um, I remember being so angry that I threw a plate. This is a yoga teacher of, you know, a good seven years. And I threw a plate. And it wasn't pretty. And I felt great after I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Old tactics, right? (laughs) That was, that was like not the practice that I'd been doing. (laughs) Uh, That was like the old me, but um, the, the greatest thing that came from that was this realization that like, I could cause real harm and, and I was causing real harm mainly to myself. And so I dove into another training, another practice, um, you know, which was pre and postnatal yoga. Uh, and that was, that gave me another anchor back into my practice because my practice kind of went out the window for the second one. I really, I wasn't sipping anything. I was downing black coffee. <laughs> like I was downing Persian tea. And like, <laughs> that was my, that was my, my vitality. And we know what happens when we, we use a synthetic, you know, kind of fix. Mm-hmm. We just crash and burn eventually. And that was my crash and burn. Wow. I love so much what you said about how it made you fall in love with yourself. And I think I've almost used those same words, but then 
it also just makes me want to throw a plate that this society that we live in, the way that we treat mothers, we take so much of that power away. And it's just so heartbreaking. And I think you and I have similar missions where we're trying to give that power back to women and the choice of being mindful and the way we move our bodies and the way we have control over our bodies. And one thing you said to me that has just stuck with me for so long is creating an expansive community and being expansive instead of inclusive, because I think there's so much power when we come together and we can share these stories and these shadows of throwing plates and being at rock bottom, because that's how we heal and grow together. So can you tell me more about what expansiveness means in the sense of community and just being all inclusive in terms of motherhood and mindfulness and spirituality? Yes. I, there's a lot in that, in in that thought process because it, um, much of the, the heartbreak in what happens is in, we've created a system of patriarchy. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, and frankly, uh, a a white supremacy patriarchy. Yes. If we're going to be really honest, and when we've created that society, um, women women are suppressed, women aren't heard, um, and uh, I, I've I've seen it in in you know, my years of teaching yoga and women coming to me and saying ways that they were shamed, ways that they were harmed, um, the the myriad of ways in, in the hospital room. And so what I tell my students first and foremost is the, the healthcare provider that you use, that you choose to essentially come into the room with you while you make love because what is happening for you when you are in labor is, a, is an act of love. And it is if you are making love, is that intimate? Mm-hmm. And you would choose someone that you would be comfortable with you in the room when that would happen. And so that requires a true understanding of asking yourself, like intuitively, how do I feel around this person? Does this person shame me? Does this person dismiss me? Does this person listen to me fully? And you have the choice to create boundaries to say, no, I do not want this person. Even if you're in 38 weeks of pregnancy, it's going to take a little bit more work, but it's possible. Um, and, And that's paramount. Also support system. And the support system that we have taken away in really the turn of the last century. So in the early 1900s, we took away our mothers and our sisters and our cousins and our aunties. And, um, and, and we turned it into a medical procedure instead of a spiritual procedure. There is times when we need medicine. Absolutely. And I'm grateful that when I need it, it is there. But the, the, the process of giving birth is, is not exclusively um, a female thing, um, a, a female experience. Um, as we learn more about um, gender identities, we have to expand our idea of, of who, who can carry a, 
a baby. And so when I talk about expansiveness, I, I think, you know, um, trust and listen to who you are and who you want in that circle. Um, and also, um, put yourself in a position of, uh, I, I, I'm going to pull back for a second because I, I don't often talk about this either, but when I was giving birth, I was on Medicare and, um, I was in a room, mostly I was the only white person in the room. So I was in the system, uh, uh with predominantly, uh, women of color. Um, so aside from, you know, listening to your gut and really getting intimate with your intuition and what feels right for you. I think as women and privileged women like myself, we have to look at the, the amount of women that are put through a cookie cutter situation mm -hmm. uh, that I started. I didn't finish that way. I chose to have a different type of birth, um, but I had the privilege of an education of, um, you know, some resources, um, to be able to change that trajectory, but it was definitely a cookie cutter situation, um, that, you know, a lot of the top, like it was just very topical. It wasn't, wasn't very holistic. Um, and this is what we are putting women through, um, predominantly black and brown women, which is why, um, maternal mortality rate is so high for women of color. So when I think of expansiveness, I think it's, you know, also like seeing what women are around you when you're giving birth in your birth classes. And if you're surrounded by predominantly white people and in a white centric world, I'm going to just ask that you expand your reach um, and find the, the cultures of color um, and see how they are giving birth and where they are giving birth. I think it's so important to consider what women of color, what their birth story and their motherhood journey started out as to, in order to understand and to learn. And like you said, have more wisdom. And I think for someone like me, I've being privileged to just feel this pull to be more inclusive and see, I use that word because it's just such a buzzword, but be more expansive because as I started in lightenhood and women were drawn to me, it was women of all different types of lifestyles, colors, countries, everything. And I think mindfulness and spirituality and having that pull to connect to your highest self and to connect to your soul is such a universal truth. And I think, like you said, with the patriarchy and the way that we almost have this white supremacy on this motherhood journey, and then even spirituality and mindfulness, it's so hard to make it expansive with, with the way that things are right now. Yeah. And in America and the United States specifically, um, we don't almost have white supremacy. We have living, breathing white supremacy in our reach, in our white house. And, um, and that is what is, uh, prevailing in some ways. Um, and then when you, th when you think about across the nation, um, there are some places that are much more progressive in maternal, in, in the way they look at maternal um, health, 
you know, crossing the line with OBGYN, speaking with midwives to learn practices to help women labor longer instead of going towards more synthetic um, approaches. You know, there is also, and especially in New York City, um, you know, the, it has gone much more hard-lined medical procedure. And so it's really important to trust and, and know your healthcare provider, but really trust and know where you're giving birth and what the statistics are in that birth for cesarean section, for um, episiotomy. Um, and, and all you ask the full breadth of questions. And if you start getting dismissed, let your intuition guide you to go ask someone else, mm -hmm. because if they're not listening to you, then they'll definitely not be listening to you when you are in a compromised position of pushing a baby between your legs. Yeah. I relate to that so much because I, and I've had to do a lot of healing with this, but I don't think I was in a place of empowerment throughout my pregnancy and my birth. I had a really rough first trimester and then I almost had prepartum depression in my third trimester. And I, I was in a cookie cutter situation too, where I had to switch from, it was in the same group, but I felt like I was a cow being herded in. They measured my stomach weight and be okay, see you next time. And there was no intimate conversations about, any type of thing that went beyond just the numbers and the stats and seeing me like that. And I do wish looking back on it that I would have known more. I wish I would have had that intuition more to ask that questions. Not even that intuition, because I think we all have that motherly intuition, but it's more the fear of speaking up because we've been put into these situations. That's it. You nailed it. It's, it's not just listening to our intuition, but then it's using our voice because we don't, we don't just become the advocate of ourselves and our children through labor and birth. There's other systems at play. The education system is another fairly broken system. Um, and I say fairly broken, very kindly. <laughs> <laughs> and I am also speaking of one system, which is, you know, the system in which my children go to school, but you have to advocate for your children in a medical system, in the education system, in all different types of system. And, and again, it's set up with this patriarchy. And then, you know, it's, it, we filter down. Um, so it's, it's important for us to, uh, speak up and not be good girls mm -hmm. because that's, that's oftentimes the way we've been taught. Uh, and that's the way our moms have been taught and it, it falls directly in line with what I've been talking about to be quiet, you know, be a good girl. Um, you know, boys are so wild. Girls need to dress nice and pretty and keep your mouth shut. Don't talk whatever it is you want to talk about. And um, I think there's a movement right now. There is a movement right now with um, women's health being more mainstream. So you get, um, you know, period products and um, people are talking about menopause like they never did before. Uh, and, and, and then of course, pregnancy, where we're telling the truth in a way uh, to empower each other. There are more circles. There are more sister circles. 
Um, and if you don't have one where you are, start one. And if you can't start one where you are, then go find a group that might already have one. They speak your language. You know in your body, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul that you feel safe. And it's not always about safety um, in these circles because it's about being brave in these circles to tell the truth and to call bullshit where there's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also to lift each other up. Yes. Yeah. I, I've been talking to my husband a lot about this because when I was pregnant and into early motherhood, I was the type that I was questioning everything. Like, why, why do we talk about motherhood this way? Why are we not being vulnerable? And so many people were triggered by that. They were Mm -hmm. triggered by the vulnerability. They were triggered by the questioning. And it was so important for me. And that's one of the main reasons I created this platform because I wanted that community and those like-minded women who were questioning it too, and willing to look at motherhood from this really raw space. So I think having that community is just so important. And I actually just wrote an article yesterday with Brene Brown's quote about what I don't know the exact words, but basically vulnerably sharing your story. And when people receive it with empathy and compassion, it takes away all the shame in it. And I think that's just so important, especially because we as women have felt so shamed about our bodies for so long. And pregnancy and motherhood is the most natural thing that we can do yet we're taught to feel so much shame about it yeah yep and terminations or loss miscarriage like nobody talks about miscarriage mm-hmm. and it's like the thing you you hide and grieve by yourself um but but that's the whole me too movement yes you know and it's and and me too well extremely important and powerful there are circles that have been saying me too for a long time and i'm and i'm you know specifically talking you know i've been talking about it in my trainings for a long time you know that you know there was a there was a story i heard and it was a woman who um nearly died in in childbirth and um it was postpartum hemorrhage and she didn't process it she didn't process it until she was sitting in a, in a playground. So her kid must have been at least a year and a half, right? You're not really sitting in playgrounds with, you know, the babies were running around, the kids were running around. So a year and a half, maybe two years in, she's like, my marriage is falling apart. I, I'm not really connected with my baby. And here I am. I finally sit down on the bench at this playground, random woman, complete you know, complete stranger. And I tell her my story and she says, me too. And she said, Mm. everything fell away. All of my shame, all of my pain. And and then it began the process of healing. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is the key because our system of white supremacy, our system of patriarchy has a setup where everyone's broken. No one gets a pass. We might feel like as white women, we get a pass. We don't get a pass. We've suffered greatly from white supremacy and the patriarchy. And so our process is about healing. And once we can fully heal, then can we move forward to then elevate and lift and kind of like create circles and whisper, hey, guess what? Yes, come with us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This healing is required though. It's essential. 
Mm-hmm. I know. And it's such a beautiful thing to be part of and watch this almost rise of the divine feminine come back in us healing sisterhood in these sacred circles and really uplifting other women. It's just beautiful. And while you were saying that about the story, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. It, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's already happening. It's, it's, it's moving in that direction. I think that's what's happening in our, in the world right now, where we see a lot of grasping, um, to keep what predominantly white men have had for so long. And, um, it's tipping the scales tipping. It just takes more of us to courageously come out and say, you know, help, I need help. I'm drowning. Cause that's what happened. I was drowning and I said, help. And then I got some more tools and then I healed. And then I called in more women to the circle and I keep calling more women into the circle and I carry circles all the time. I'm starting a circle next week and we're running through a pre and postnatal yoga training. And I'm super excited about um, the healing that that transpires. There's always a point in the training where there's lots of tears because these awakenings happen and they happen through this, this, you know, this ability to tell the truth Mm -hmm. and, and feels supported. Yeah. Feel safe in the truth. Yeah. Feel safe and feel brave. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's not always safety for every single person. Yes, yeah, because yes. what some what one person is going through that might feel like they might feel safe might be a trigger for another person. Mm-hmm. So it's you know creating agreement so that everyone understands that like we can't all always be safe, and we can't guarantee safety, but we can certainly guarantee brave, courageous conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Brave's definitely. The, the word for it because it takes so much because motherhood is just so vulnerable and committing to acquiring those tools to heal and stepping into that healing process is so vulnerable and it takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. So I have two questions left to ask you. <laughs> so what is on your spiritual bucket list? What's something you want to learn, you want to do, you want to experience? I am in the process of uh, herbal medicine and I am studying with Aviva Ram, who is a, (laughs) she was a doctor who homeschooled her four daughters and uh, she, you know, went through the whole medical process and then shifted toward um, herbal medicine. She is a badass. And so I've been on this journey and, uh, in this journey, I am in the process of, um, of buying a piece of land that has a already in place garden Mm. in it. So I can test my herbs and, you know, create concoctions for um my spells oh my gosh that's my dream that's literally my dream (laughs) well you're gonna have to come up because i'm gonna have retreats yes 
gatherings. So uh, yeah, you are um, going to have to join me. That's my, I want to grow a little enlightened garden and then with some white sage and make some smudge sticks. That's, that's my next one. But I'm a crazy plant lady. I have a lot of plant children. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Me too. Uh, where is the land that you're going to buy? It's upstate New York, um, closer to the Delaware water gap. Okay. So it's about, um, it's about two hours from New York city. Perfect. I grew up in the finger lakes, so I'm a New York state girl. Nice. It's not, I don't think it's that right. I know. Mm. Uh, I think the finger lakes are way North, right? They're like central New York. Um, they're like four hours from the city. Like, okay. West, yeah. West, North. Yeah. About, Mm, two and a half hours from the water gap. Oh, cool. Not too yeah. bad. We're, we are looking around um, the border of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York. So yeah, I know. Right exactly. I drive through that all the time when I go home to my parents' house. <laughs> awesome. And as you know, I like to end this podcast for wise words for anyone listening who needs that extra encouragement today to step into their highest self. So what are your wise words to end on? I would say be gentle. And most importantly, gentle with yourself and then gentle with those around you. Um, because everyone is trying very hard. Uh, and if we start with gentleness with ourselves, we can tend to be more gentle with the people around us. And that is, is needed, especially today when people are so, uh, on edge <laughs> and, uh, challenged and pushed by so much around them. Uh, it's important to be gentle and kind. Thank you for listening to Enlightenhood. For more wisdom from spiritual mamas like you in the form of guided meditations, videos, articles, masterclasses, and more, check us out at enlightenhood.com or connect with us on Instagram at enlightenhood. If you need a tribe of like-minded women to dive into personal and spiritual development with, check out our monthly membership where we show up, go inward and upward together. Enroll today at enlightenhood.com backslash membership for less than the cost of a yoga class. Until next time, you mindful mamas. Thank you.